So good to be with you folks this morning. It has been at least two and a half years over this congregation. There are a few familiar faces, but those of you who I'm not acquainted with, I am delighted to meet you, and you are in a very exciting atmosphere at the right time in your life. Amen. So I'm delighted to be here. In the past two and a half years, I'm sure that each of us individually have gone through various changes, some of them mentally, some of them emotionally, and some of them economically. But it's a wonderful thing to look back on what was and grateful for what is now and what God has ahead of each and every one of us. I'm here not as a guest, I'm a part of the family an extension of it. Uh, I just happen to live in your neighboring state, Louisiana. Although I'm originally from Illinois, uh, from Chicago, a small community, uh, very insignificant, but uh, that is my home base anyway. And uh, my wife does not travel with me. Uh, I have tried. I, even on this trip, David, but uh, Donna does have some physical problems. Distance by car is a little hard on her. But um, I have built you folks up so much, she almost thinks like this is paradise over here. <laughs> and uh, I think some of you think it is too. But uh, I have a family of two beside my lovely wife, and both of them are Californians. So that's basically all you need to know. If you want my age, forget it. If you want to know how long I've been married, well, it'll be 60 years this month. So anyway, and um, so I can recommend to you, if you treat them right, they'll do you right. That's all I can say to you. I'm going to do something different this morning. I knew for several months now, uh, Pastor Dave and I have been communicating that uh, I was to speak here. And uh, I had planned, I've got it right here in my notes, as to what I wanted to share, what I thought I wanted to share with you. I woke up this morning around 5 a.m., And um, some of you may understand what I'm going to say, and others of you, it may be a little bit foreign in the spiritual realm. But uh, the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me. Um, I don't mean in an audible way, uh, in my own spirit. And over and over in my mind, a verse of Scripture kept coming Uh, and I kept thinking about it and uh, pausing. And I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. But anyway, I thought, well, I'll follow through with what what I had planned. And I think he has a different plan. So I'm going to change my approach to you this morning. And I'm going to ask Pastor to stand and read a verse of scripture. 
It is found in the Gospel of First uh, John, chapter 5, verse 14. And I would also like you to read the 15th, if you don't mind. I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. And I will say this to you. John, who is writing this, is referred to in Scripture as John the Beloved. He is the one who in the upper room uh, laid his head on the chest of Christ at the Last Supper. He is the author of the Gospel of John, as well as the first, second, and third, what we refer to as epistles of John. And uh, he is also the a disciple who introduces to us the, the essential nature of God himself when he wrote to us and said, if you want to know what God is, God is love. And if ever in any society or time of human civilization, we needed love. I don't mean love as it is uh, generated in the society in which we live. I mean the love that is wholesome, true, unselfish, a love that is not considered of itself only, but more considerate of others. We need that kind of love now. I'm not a prophet, I'm not a news media person, but I am an observer. And I can honestly say what you have already said, we are in trouble in a nation and a world. And I think the answer is the solution the church should embrace. And that is what you've been doing, what Kay's been talking about. It's reaching beyond yourself and touching the lives of others. So John told us what God is. Pastor Dave, would you read John, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15 for me? 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Thank you. Now, he read that from the, I'm assuming, the New King James. The key word to begin with that John brings to our attention is simply this. This is the confidence now, let me say this to you. Confidence is something you are not born with. Confidence is something that is cultivated through relationship. There are basically, as far as I have read, there are only two basic fears that you are born with. It's the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. All other fears are developed through associations and life. So John is saying, this is the confidence. He is saying, confidence, though it is not something you are born with, 
it is something you cultivate. You cultivate it through a relationship. Am I right? I have confidence in people. That means simply out of an association or a relationship, I have built an understanding that they are the character they say they are. That they will do what they say they will do. They are dependable. They're trustworthy. You can lean upon them in any type of life's situations. They're always there. They're concerned with you in a very realistic way. It's not surface, but it's true and it's genuine. On the other hand, there are some people in life whose paths I've crossed, I have absolutely no confidence in. And it isn't because of who they might appear as, but it's the way they have performed. They are not people you can trust. Their word has no strength or value to it whatsoever. Now, when John says, this is the confidence we have in him, he is not speaking to us on a human relationship level. He is speaking to us on a divine or supernatural level. He is talking about a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the confidence, a confidence that you can rest assured upon, that you can embrace and know with a sense of security that when he speaks, what he says, not John, but whom John is speaking about, that word is dependable. Under whatever situation or circumstance you may encounter, there are promises, I call them covenant uh, nuggets that he has given to us on a personal relationship level. And among those, he said, I will never leave you. Now, that is a statement without any fine print. When he said, I will never leave you, it isn't on the basis of your condition. It's not what you may or may not have. It's entirely up to him. And the one thing about him, he never changes. Whatever you do, however you act, however you conduct yourself, whatever depth that you may have found yourself to have sunken into, that never changes him. He is what he is always promised to be. He is dependable. He is more dependable than the relationship that you can have with a parent. His love extends beyond the compassion of a mother that has given you life. It is something that you can always depend upon. Uh, confidence. How do I gain confidence in someone I've never seen? Now, when I pray, I don't he's not before me. When I'm praying, I'm, I'm speaking 
into an open atmosphere. But yet, out of time, through circumstances, through situations, through the processes of life, I have learned that though I may be speaking into a vast atmosphere, there is someone who hears me. Amen. And I have taken great assurance in that. And how do I know he hears me? Because he answers. He answers in his unique way. The unusual thing about him is he does not work on your time schedule. It doesn't make any difference how much pressure you may be feeling at the moment and wanting to be suddenly released or escape from the anxiety or the horror of what you may be going through. His wisdom knows beyond us. And he realizes that there are some stations in life that we as humans must go through that there are things we must experience, however uncomfortable they might be. And yet it is through those particular things that this thing called confidence suddenly comes into a state of maturity, that you begin to realize that God is what God said he would be, that God can do what God said he can do. Now, I've already related to you that I've been married come this November, the 25th. Thank God she's not here. I, I, I got it right. Um, 60 years. Now, when I first met Donna, um, oh my, what an experience. I was a minister, single, invited to a church in Illinois to give you some background. And in those days, it was customary that ministers sat on the platform and you could view the congregation as I'm doing presently. And I was sitting on the platform and uh, unfortunately the, the church double doors had a little squeak in the hinge and service had already started, and the process of worship had already begun to generate itself in the congregation. But the squeak in the door got my attention. And in walked this dazzling beauty. I mean, dazzling. Beautiful young girl. And she sat down on the back row. And I lost contact with every thing around me. I almost forgot why I was there. Um, I was captivated. I had never, in my estimation, seen anyone as beautiful as that young woman was. I did not know her. She did not know me. But I said to myself, and I knew it was God, I said, I am going to marry that girl if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> the unfortunate thing was she was already engaged. 
And the ironic thing about it was she was engaged to a young man whose first name was the same as mine. (laughs) And God does move in mysterious ways when God wants to do something. She sat on the back row of that church and went home and told her mother and dad, I saw the man I love. Her mother said, but you're engaged. She said, I don't care. I'm breaking the engagement. She said, do you know him? No, and I may never marry him, but I love him and I know I can't marry who I'm engaged to. Well, bless your heart, I got her. (laughs) 60 years. Now, she was a beautiful thing. But there were things about her I did not know until I got to living with her. (laughs) And there were a lot of, yes, thank you. Thank you for wherever that came from, it's true. Uh, And sad to say there were things about me she didn't know which she really had to work on. For 60 years she has been extremely angelic. But out of 60 years, this is the point I'm getting to. It's a relationship. You've got to deal with the good and the bad. You've got to take the differences of values and judgments and giftings and everything because each of us, as we all know, we are individuals. So I had to make adjustments. She radically had to make some adjustments. But when you love somebody, you are willing to work through the difficulties, because there are. No marriage is a utopia. It's something you develop out of a relationship. But I got to know her so well, and I do to this day, of course, that there were certain gestures that she would make that were sign languages that after a period of time, you caught on quickly. Uh, Certain moves she would make, certain expressions she would have. Um, Not only did I feel the effect of it, but our children felt the effect of it. And uh, we knew if she looked a certain way or did a certain thing, Um, you better dodge it when you get home. Um, I did not ever have to find out whether my sermon was good or bad. Uh, I knew it when I got home. Uh, That was a relationship. But how do you have a relationship with someone you have never physically met? God. You have it through the situations of life you go through. And once you go through them, and you know that he is faithful, even though we stumble, listen, let's be realistic this morning. None of us are perfect. Am I right? I mean, if you were perfect, they would have never developed an eraser on the end of your pencil. (laughs) They would never have put delete on your computer. I mean, we know we're not perfect, but God is. And with our imperfections, 
with our shortcomings, with the things that we have in relationship, those little things that irritate us in them. God overlooks every one of them. Every one of them. And he is one that will see you through anything you're going through. And out of that, and Pastor Dave read it, this is the confidence. If you don't have confidence in him, it'll never work. That is why Jesus asked his disciples one day, who do you say that I am? See, it's important that you know him on a personal level. And you're never going to know him without the bumps in the road. Amen. Because that's where he reveals what he's capable of. Amen. Even when the doctor will say to you, and personally, I believe that the medical profession and everything associated are gifts from God. My Bible tells me he has given gifts to men. I believe that those are part of the gifting, whether it be the arts or technology or whatever it is. It is God's giftings. But our human giftings reach a point of fulfillment. And beyond that, we are limited. But God is not. When a doctor looks at you and he says to you as a professional, I'll say to you, I'm sorry, we've done all that we can do. That seems to be a hopeless condition. But you see, when you've had a relationship through an acquaintanceship with one called Jesus Christ, it's not hopeless because he's given us promise. Amen. And I go back often to the Old Testament and I read the word that says, whose report will you believe? Because we're going to embrace the opinion of someone. But whose report will you believe? Well, I have such a relationship with him that he is not only my friend, my father, but I'm going to tell you something. He's my lover. He, he loves me. Now, I know that may be a strange thing for a man to say about another masculine gender, but it's true. He loves us. Amen. That when I turn to him, whatever my situation might be, he gives me hope. He gives me assurance. He helps me to understand there is a way out of this. Only if you let me help you. So John said, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask, ask. Now, that is not meditation, folks. And yet I'm not discrediting meditation. But I'm not talking about Eastern meditation. Christian meditation. When you just clear your mind and let the word of God just flood through you, but when you just release yourself and put yourself wholly into the security of what he said he would do, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything, 
Now here's the catch. According to his will. But you'll never know his will until you have a relationship confidence. You'll stagger. You'll question. You'll doubt. But if you really have the relationship, it doesn't make any difference with the circumstance. If you ask according to his will, here's his promise. He heareth you. He heareth you. Now that to me is overwhelming because I'm a speck in the universe and he's the God that made it and yet he concerns himself with me. Amen. If I have a relationship with him and he has a relationship with me, I can ask whatsoever I choose to as long as it is according to his will. What is his will? John, uh, Dave, Pastor Dave just read from the word. That's his will. If I stay within the framework of the will, there isn't anything he will not do for us. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Can you read that next verse? What it says? And if we know that he hears us. Now there it is. Now hold on. If you know. See, if you know. Now that's a personal thing. It's not what he knows, but it's what you know. Amen. It's not what Mike knows. It's not what Pastor Dave knows or what Kathy knows. It's what you know. How do you know what you know if it isn't through experience? Am I right? So my experience is going to be different than your experience. But my relationship out of that experience brings me to a level that I can have confidence in him. That he will do what he said he would do regardless of what the agnostic might say to me or what unbelievers might say to me, or my culture, or the society in which I live might say to me, I know. See, I understand. When you understand the principles of math, you don't have to think it out. It's, it's there. One in one equal two, right? I mean, you know that. When you know what he can do then you don't waver. It's like Abraham. I don't know how much time I've got, so stop me whenever. Because I, I could go on and on, but really, I'm serious. Abraham, let's talk about Abraham, since he is the, the foundational spiritual base from which all of what we are has derived. Am I right? Abraham. Who is he? Well, as far as I'm concerned... He's really a nobody. He never built a city. He, he never ran for political office. He, his name was never in print. He, he was a 75-year-old man out of the land of Chaldea of Ur. 
He was a Gentile. That's what he was, a Gentile. But God spoke to Abraham at 75. Now, I'm a little bit past that. But when you're getting into that category, you're not interested in taking up a caravan and making a move cross country. You're thinking more of the golf course and a rocking chair or a boat on the lake or something. You know, you're not in... He's 75, folks. You know, the adventure is gone. The, the, it's not there. I don't know how God spoke to this pagan because that's what he was. But Abraham heard from God. God had a purpose. God has a purpose for each of us. Whether you, your society has allowed you to develop into what God wants you to be or not, God has a purpose for every one of us. And um, God had a purpose. If you read the Bible closely, God always wanted a relationship. Or he would have never made man. I know he had the angelic. But you see, they were created spirit beings. He wanted something that was uniquely different. And the Bible says something made in his own image. Something that could make a decision on its own. Something that had free will of choice. Something that was not motivated because of a mechanical situation, but out of a true devotion that I serve God, not because I'm a, a taker from him, but because of what he has done for me. It's different. And Abraham was a single man, one individual. And God said, I want to start a new thing. He had all kinds of people to have drawn from. Because you see, Abraham wasn't the only man on the face of the earth. If you read the scripture closely, Egypt existed, the Philistines existed, the Assyrians existed. These were nations of people. But every nation of the people were pagan. God wanted to introduce to the world, who is the true God? What can God who made all the heaven and the earth truly do if you will let him do it? So he chose a man by the name of Abraham. And Abraham, the Bible says, believed God. He believed him. He simply took God at his word. He'd never seen him. I don't know how God communicated with him. I know how he communicated with Adam and Eve. But I, it is nowhere in scripture until at one time wherever God really communicated to Abraham. But he believed God. Believed him. What is that faith? That's a confidence, right? And he believed God when God gave him a promise. That I'm going to give you an heir. You're going to have a son. And out of your loins, there's going to come the seed. Now, when you read the word seed that he speaks of in the singular, he is not talking about Isaac. He is talking about the Christ that is to come, that is going to come through the seed of that bloodline. And uh, 
He believed God. Now, was Abraham perfect? Well, you would think that if God's going to choose someone to do something as great as bring the true God into the world, God would look for a giant, uh, a person of strong charisma. But he's a plain, I'm going to use the term plain Jane, just simple, everyday human run of society. Nothing spectacular about Abraham. But the one thing about him was he believed God. And the Bible says God accounted belief, not works, but belief for his righteousness. Now, I could give you a Hebrew lesson or uh, on righteousness, but a breakdown. The word righteousness simply means right relationship. You're in rightness. And because he believed God, he came into a right relationship with him. And that relationship lasted for 25 years. God said, I'm going to give you a son. Well, okay. How about tomorrow? Because you see, I'm getting older. And some things don't work after a while. So let's get on with the process. But you see, God knows things and does things differently. Because there was something Abraham had to go through. And if you read the life of Abraham, there are 10 encounters in his life. And some of them aren't good. Because he lied a few times. Hello. He, he, he really, I'll give you a good old-fashioned Chicago term for it. He screwed things up. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. But God was still on his side. And he accounted to him for righteousness' sake. For 25 years, the promise exists. 25 years. He never wavered. If you read the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, Hebrews says, Abraham never staggered. Something staggering, and you know what it is. It goes from side to side. I'm up one day, I'm down the next. I believe today, I don't believe tomorrow. He never staggered. And he's not getting any younger. Am I right? But he never staggered at the promise of God. God fulfilled the promise. Amen. And out of that, what Abraham did not know when he believed God, that the Jewish nation of Israel was going to be born. He did not know that. God did not tell him that. He did say your descendants would be like the stars of the heaven and like the sands of the sea. But you see, when you walk with God and simply believe him, God is true to what he said he would do. So my challenge to you this morning is simply this. Whatever you're facing, and we all face it, in one form or another, disappointments come at every avenue of life. It could be job. It could be family. It could be marriage. It could be relationship. It could be finances. It could be any number of things. 
but it brings to us a disturbed life. I want you to know this morning, and I certainly did not read it out of my notes. I'm giving it to you from my spirit in my heart. God is faithful. God is faithful. Whatever you're going through, don't judge God's quality by your circumstance because God is far greater than that. Amen. God is faithful. Amen. And there's a song that has simply, simply come out recently that says in the chorus of the song, his goodness keeps running after me. His goodness keeps running after me. Don't let the enemy tell you you can't make it because you make mistakes. We all make him, but the perfect one has never made a mistake. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. And he knows your potential. Amen. So I bless you this morning and I hope the word of God has strengthened you in this. This is the confidence. That's positive. He didn't say, oh, I think maybe. Because you see, God doesn't operate in the negative. Amen. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know he heareth us, then we have the petition that he has promised us. Amen. I've had to pray my children out of the world and into grace. And thank God, God is faithful. Amen. I've had to snatch my family out of the burning to put them into the blessing. But God is faithful. So I'm not speaking to you out of a book. I'm speaking to you out of my heart. Whatever you may be experiencing today, tomorrow, Whatever day might come, God never moves from your side. I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. May the blessings of the Lord be upon you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he guide your steps and direct your life through the glory of his faithfulness and the power of his word. God bless you this morning.